Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Seven Deadly Seals, written by Alana Albertson, narrated by Jason Clark and Jennifer O'Donnell, produced at Brickshop Audio Inc. Seven Deadly Seals is also available in print as an ebook on the Radish Fiction app and as a full-length audiobook. If you want the whole story without waiting, grab one of these formats from the links at www.authoralanaalbertson.com. That's www.authoralanaalbertson.com. And now, Seven Deadly Seals, Episode 10. Crazed, Seven Deadly Seals, Book 3. Chapter 1. Ksenia Dangerous, diabolical, and drop-dead sexy Mitch stood above me, stroking his huge, hard cock. Millions of women would kill to be in my position right now, pinned down on this red velvet bed, the object of lust by a fine-ass Navy SEAL. But not me, and not this SEAL. My heart belonged to another man, Mitch's teammate, Grant. Bile built in my throat. I couldn't stop staring at the scar near Mitch's hip bone, the deep, dark divot, a mark I was certain I'd been the one to inflict. Every cell in my body screamed at me, that he had been the one who'd attacked me years ago. I'd vowed this would not happen to me again. Training for six months to be able to defend myself from any type of attack. But bringing down a Navy SEAL? Even the most well-oiled warriors were no match for these frogmen. I steadied my breath, and my eyes darted around the dimly lit room. The green neon exit sign beckoned me toward it, but running out of this club wasn't an option. Grant wasn't going to swoop in and save me this time. The way I figured it, I had two options. Gouge Mitch's eyes out. Not simply poke them, but blind the motherfucker by ripping his pupils from the sockets. Or somehow, use the only weapon I had. My brain. Mitch, handsome devil. What is the rush? We have together... All night. I tell you what. Let me dance for you. Let me turn you on. Let me be pleasing to you. His eyes narrowed, and his hand reached around my neck. I wasn't sure if he was going to kiss me or choke me. I've already seen you dance. He pulled me to him and fisted my hair. Now get on your knees and suck my cock. Fuck. I had to think fast. I'd rather take a bullet in my brain than give Mitch head. I... I have to go to the bathroom. He released my hair. Fine. Hurry up. I stumbled to the bathroom and rummaged through my purse. Cell phone, wallet, tissues, gum... Switchblade. Switchblade? Stabbing Mitch was out of the question. Every SEAL knew 300 ways to kill an enemy. He'd disarm me in a second. 
I released the blade from the case, the shiny metal beckoning me. I could end my pain tonight. The sorrow from losing everyone who'd ever mattered to me. My parents. My baby. My brother. Grant. But I would see this through. Or die trying. But I couldn't resist the call of the knife. I needed to feel. I needed to punish myself for my mistakes, for hurting Grant. I plunged the tip of the blade into my index finger, the blood oozing out. I took my finger and tasted a droplet, coppery, warm, slightly sweet. Blood, bingo. I squeezed some more droplets out of my finger like I was Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors. After smearing the blood on the inside of my panties, I sucked on my finger until the bleeding stopped and then rinsed it in cold water. I walked back out to break the bad news to Mitch. Mitch was sitting up on the bed. I took a moment to stare at him. He looked absolutely beautiful, so masculine, so ripped. But to me, he was the most revolting man in the world. I knelt before him, glanced up and batted my eyelashes. I cannot wait to be together with you. But the night is no good. It is time of months, and I want to be sexy for you. He shook his head. Don't care, baby doll. Your mouth still works. Besides, you've probably figured out that I'm a goddamn Navy SEAL. And just like your fuck buddy Grant, I'd love to get your war paint all over my face. Oh my God, did he just say that? No guy is actually into that, right? What a freak. I gently caressed his face and kissed his lips. A slow, sweet kiss, pretending he was Grant. Mitch, I want it to be special. I only want to be together with you. Okay, here goes the Hail Mary pass. Grant and me. We never have been together with the sex. I have only been together with one man. I laid it on thick. Men loved being told they were the chosen ones. Suckers. His eyes lit up. Really, baby doll? Don't play me. You're a stripper. I swallowed. Even dug up some tears. Method acting. My drama teacher had told me to think about personal sadness. There was no lack of material in that department. Yes, I am stripper. I have no skill, no money. My baba, she die, and I have no family. But I swear to you, I have been with no man for years. You can ask it to Grant if you do not believe me. Mitch's face softened, and his demeanor warmed. I believe you. Short, simple. He placed his cock back into his pants, wrapping his huge arm around my shoulders. He pulled me in and kissed me on the head. We relaxed on the plush, velvety bed. I like you, Ksenia. I do. I have no one close either. 
My wife, she left me. She even took my kids. Not that I saw them much anyway. I've been deployed so much. He sighed deep and shook his head. April was the only one I could ever really talk to. I gulped. Was this bad boy seal opening up? Did he actually have feelings toward me? This was insane. He confessed to me about his divorce. I'd always had a theory that seals yearned to have that one person in their lives who they could fully open up to, let down their guard around, more so than other men. These warriors had to be so tough, so invincible. Any sign of weakness was inexcusable in their world. Yet those same skills that they needed to have to be successful in the teams were the same qualities that made these men struggle in their personal lives. Seals yearned to find balance, and the only way these men could do it was through the women they loved. Too bad so many team guys fucked up their relationships by cheating. I am sorry, Meech. Do you miss her? Nah, I just miss my kids. He glanced up at me, and his eyes were red. I wondered if it was because he was drunk or sad, most likely both. I fucked up with her, and I own it. We were so young when we met, only got married because I knocked her up. We barely saw each other once I became a seal, and we became toxic together. She loved making me jealous, and I couldn't handle it. It doesn't matter anymore. There's something about you. I think I can trust you. For the first time, I could almost relate to Mitch. I missed my baby, too. You come. My fingernails traced his beard, and I kissed him on the lips, knowing I needed to do whatever it took to get him to truly trust me so I could pump him for information. I still had a tracking device on his phone, and I wanted to figure out who Raphael was, the recipient of Mitch's weird textless text. Why would a seal send another man a smiley face? Grant had cut me out. Mitch was all I had left, the only connection I had left to my brother. Mitch was the only one who could help me now. His lips took me hard and rough, and his hands traveled down my body, dominant, rugged, intoxicating. I hated myself for liking Miss Kiss, my traitorous pussy responding to his masterful touch. This guy raped me, for God's sake. What the fuck was wrong with me? I'm gonna make our first night together real special. You just wait. I can't wait to fuck your tight pussy. But before we move forward, I need to know that you are done with Grant. I choked back tears, genuine ones this time. Done with Grant. More like Grant was done with me, forever. Mia and Grant would never be together again, in any incarnation. Yes, we are done. Mitch pushed back a lock of my hair. His piercing brown eyes looked at me like I was a juicy steak. Good, you're mine. It's better for you this way. Look, Grant is still hung up on his ex. He'll never love anyone else. My heart leapt inside my chest. Hearing these words from Grant's brother-in-arms was bittersweet. Grant might be hung up on Mia, 
but Mia no longer existed. I doubted that Grant would ever be able to find love with Ksenia, and when he finally learned what I had done, I was pretty positive he would never speak to me again. He's a good guy, and I love the dude, but he's not like you and me. We're different. We're scarred. I pursed my lips and gave him an understanding nod, relaxing into his embrace. Inwardly, I seethed, thinking about his goddamn literal scar. That night had ruined my life. It was more than being drugged and assaulted. It was a loss of control, guilt, shame. It enveloped me. I had been too afraid to tell Grant what had happened to me. Would he have blamed me for drinking that night, putting myself in that situation? For a week, I tiptoed around him, keeping my secret to myself. Even though he was injured, we made love one last time. Once I found out I was pregnant, I tortured myself, not knowing if my baby's father was Grant or my attacker. My baby's daddy could have been Mitch. That thought alone made my skin crawl, reproducing with this Neanderthal. But ultimately, it didn't matter. I never found out who my baby's daddy was. I loved my baby more than anything in the world, regardless of his paternity. It had to have been Mitch who had ruined my life. There was no other explanation. I would hate him until the day I died, and I would seek revenge. I would make him pay, make him beg for mercy, make him suffer at my hands. Even so, I refused to allow my desire for revenge to get in the way of my one goal, freeing my brother. I had successfully portrayed the wounded bird stripper. Men love to save women, especially men like Mitch. Little did he know he was caught in my web. He might have fallen for Ksenia, but my soul was still Mia's. Chapter 2 Grant I woke with a wicked hangover, not just from the copious amount of whiskey I'd imbibed, but from Mia's intoxicating scent. But the sharp rage that pulsed through my body quelled any desire to see her. That lying bitch. Not only did she think I was stupid enough not to figure out her identity, but she felt that it was okay to lie to me about why she left me. I'd spent most of last night trying to figure out the timeline. The only time I hadn't seen Mia for nine months was after she'd left me, which means that had to be when she had the baby. Even though we'd broken up, because of Joaquin, I'd always seen her around at least every five months. She was petite, and there was a slight possibility that she had been barely showing and I had missed it. But that was unlikely, since every time I'd been in the same room with her, my eyes were helplessly drawn to her curves. I needed to know where her baby was, and if I was the father. I picked up the phone and dialed. Hey, I need to see you. The voice on the other line quickly agreed, and we arranged to meet at a coffee house. An hour later, I sat at an outdoor table, impatiently waiting with Hero curled by my feet. I'd almost given up and headed back home when I saw her walk through the door. I barely recognized her. 
Gone were the fake eyelashes, the caked-on makeup, and the ridiculously high heels. She wore white short shorts, a loose-fitting t-shirt, and flip-flops. I stood up to greet her. Hey, Autumn. Hi, Grant. Sorry I'm late. The traffic was just crazy, you know. All the tourists just flock to the beach here in the summer. I totally hate it. Oh my god, is this your dog? He's gorgeous. I smiled and kissed her on the cheek. She knelt down to pet Hero, rubbing his ears until he groaned. This girl was refreshing. I'd liked her since the moment I'd met her at the party where Tiffany died. And when I'd run into her at the party I took Ksenia to last week, she'd approached me and offered to help Joaquin any way she could. She'd confided in me that she thought Tiffany was involved in something dark. At the time, I was hoping she could find some clue about who had actually killed Tiffany. Now I hoped she could help me find Mia's baby. We waited in line at this beachy coffee house. Surfers with sand still on their wetsuits strolled in, and some hot girls in yoga pants crowded the bar. A young mom walked in, clutching her toddler's hand, and I couldn't help but stare. After we were served our drinks, Autumn and I sat at a small table outside, a view of Moonlight Beach in the background. She squinted from the sunlight and then put on her oversized sunglasses. So what's up? You said it was urgent. I had rehearsed exactly what to say in my head. Autumn was overly naive and friendly. Anything I said could potentially be relayed to Mia. I visited Joaquin in jail yesterday. Dude looks like shit. Bloated, depressed. A shell of the man he once was. He's desperate. I was wondering if you heard anything else about Tiffany. You said you were going to visit her family? Oh yeah, I did. Did Ksenia tell you I took her? Mia went. Fuck. That must have been where she took off to on Sunday. No, she didn't. I'm done with her. Really? You seemed super into her last night at Diamond. Ouch. I deserved that. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that, Autumn continued. She's nice, but kind of closed off, you know? Like she's hiding something. Huh. Tell me about it. Well, yeah, so we drove up to Temecula. Have you ever been there? It's super cool. Has all these awesome vineyards. Ksenia seemed to like it. Anyway, we met Tiff's mom. She's super nice. Oh, did you know Tiff had a son, Julian? He's so adorable. I gagged on my coffee. What the fuck? No, I didn't. It wasn't mentioned in any of the papers. Yeah. I mean, she rarely talked about him, and he lived with her mom. Isn't that super weird? I would never want to be away from my baby. You want to see a picture? Sure. Autumn took out her phone and scrolled through some pics. The second I saw the boy's face, my heart raced. He had almond-shaped eyes, long eyelashes, and his mouth curled at the edge. Just like Mia's. There was also a cleft on his chin. Just like mine. I squeezed my fist and grabbed Autumn's arm. Autumn, 
Tell me everything you know about this boy. It's important. Did Tiffany ever mention his father? Her eyes widened and I quickly released her. I couldn't tell her my real suspicions. Sorry, I just... I mean, he looks like Joaquin. He told me he had never met Tiffany. I'm just trying to help him. Wow, you mean you think he could be Joaquin's son? That would be crazy. She said she barely knew the dad, said he was some psychopath drug dealer. She had him before I started working at Panthers. But yeah, even her mom mentioned the other day that she didn't even know her own daughter was pregnant. I mean, can you believe that? My parents suck, but even I'd tell them if I was pregnant. No. No way, this couldn't be. I needed to see this boy with my own eyes. Yes, there was a possibility that he could be Joaquin's and Tiffany's. Maybe they had had a one-night stand years ago, but that would mean that Joaquin had been lying to me. And worse yet, he would have a motive for murder. But there was also a chance this boy could be my son. You know what's funny? Ksenia started acting all weird too when she met Julian, asking all sorts of questions. My palms began to sweat. What did Mia know about Tiffany's son? Had she given our child away to be raised by some random stripper's mom? Fuck. Where is he? I need to see him with my own eyes. For Joaquin. Autumn tapped her nails on the table. Well, I would offer to go with you, but it would be weird for me to go back up because I was just there on Sunday. But I guess... I could give you the address. Maybe you can see him in the neighborhood. That would be great. Thank you. She shrugged. You're welcome. She finished her coffee, then put her hand on my thigh. I pushed it off me. Look, Autumn, you're a gorgeous girl and I really like you, but I'm not looking for anything serious right now, and you deserve to be taken seriously. Her eyes cast down. It's okay. I just really like you, Grant. Things could have been different between us. I wish. I mean, for so many reasons, but I wish Tiffany hadn't died that night. So do I. She entered the address into my phone. We made a few more minutes of small talk, I gave her a hug, and then I got into my truck with Hero and headed to Temecula. Chapter 3. Ksenia Today was Tuesday, the first day of my new job bartending at the Pickled Frog. I smoothed my jean skirt and pulled on the tight white t-shirt over my body. Kyle would be training me all day. My end goal was to do a good job, get Kyle to trust me enough to keep me on staff, and to hopefully find another clue. Driving to the bar, I struggled to focus with so much on my mind. I was still in shock that Mitch ended up behaving like a gentleman. He had even driven me home, walked me to my door, and given me a goodnight kiss, as if he were some eager schoolboy. His cocky demeanor had seemed to shed when I'd become real with him. I knew he had that scar, but was he really the man who had raped me? Grant hadn't called or texted. I still couldn't figure out why he had kicked me out the other night just before we were finally going to have sex. What had I done that night that had spooked Grant? I would find a way to weasel myself back into Grant's life. 
Was Joaquin Leon's father? What had Joaquin thought about after he saw me wearing Mia's bracelet at the jail? Did he realize I was his sister in disguise? Was there anything else I couldn't see? At this point, I had more questions than answers. Kyle greeted me, pulling me out of my thoughts, and I was immediately disarmed by a smile. Hey, sweetheart, how you been? Good. I stopped and made a calculated decision. I want to tell to you, Kyle, Grant and me, we are no longer together. I understand if you do not want me to work here no more. Kyle's brow furrowed at me. No worries. Grant's not why I hired you. In fact, dating a team guy is only a complication. As long as you work hard, we will have no problems. If you ever need anything, just give me a call, and I got your back. Let me give you a tip. It would be wise for you not to get involved with another frogman. We're nothing but trouble. The sympathy card worked like a charm. I gave a forced nod, but wondered at his motivation for giving me the warning. My non-paranoid guess would be that he would prefer his bar girl wasn't dating the customers, which made perfect sense. One team guy hitting on another team guy's woman usually ended in bloodshed, if not death. Or maybe Kyle's comment meant that he suspected I was Mia, even though that was unlikely. Either way, Kyle had got it all wrong. Grant wasn't trouble. I was. Kyle led me into the bar and proceeded to give me a detailed tour of the photos on the wall. I paused over the pictures of the beautiful men. One was a former SEAL who had been killed protecting an ambassador in a terrorist attack overseas. Another featured an entire team whose helicopter was shot down in Afghanistan. I hoped to find a picture of Joaquin and his team, but I knew better. No active duty SEAL would ever agree to have his identity exposed, and Kyle, an active SEAL himself, would never put his men in harm's way. In fact, the reason he'd purchased this bar was to create a safe haven for his men. He helped out when he wasn't on deployment, but left most of the day-to-day -day operations of the bar to his hired staff. The lunch crowd slowly trickled in, mostly older guys, probably former SEALs. A few took their place at the bar, ordering their usual spirits. I noticed the majority of them didn't have wedding rings. My heart ached for these broken warriors. Many of them retired and spent the rest of their lives chasing the adrenaline highs they experienced in the teams, unable to find pleasure in the mundane details of everyday life. Their loved ones were never able to understand the secret burdens these men carried to their graves. Bartending wasn't as simple as I'd thought. I had to cut lemons and limes, learn how to use the cash register, keep track of client tabs, take inventory of the liquor, and memorize cocktail recipes. Stripping had been way easier. As my shift dragged on, I made small talk with the patrons, lied about my life back in the Ukraine, and laughed at their silly jokes. Near closing time, a man walked in and sat down at the bar. He was clean-shaven, a rarity among these men, in his mid-forties, dark hair, piercing green eyes, and broad shoulders. I'll have a Jack and Coke. I prepared his drink, and though I turned away from him, his eyes remained fixed on me, more so than the general eye fuck the other men gave me. 
Here you go, handsome. Do you have tab? No. The man's eyes burned into my face. I could see his pupils trace my lips, my nose, my eyes, my chest. I instinctively covered my body with my arms. Where are you from? He asked, his voice deep and slow. Kharkov, in the Ukraine. Sure you are. I let out a nervous laugh. Who was this man? And what did he think he knew? He knocked back his drink, then slid a folded 20 across the bar. Without saying a word, he vanished. I unfolded the bill, and a small piece of paper floated out. I'm on to you. My hand shook as I shoved the paper into my apron pocket. I scanned the bar, but he was gone. No one knew about my identity except Roman. Had I made a fatal error? Well, my dumb ass had shown Joaquin my bracelet at the jail yesterday, but only Joaquin would know what that bracelet meant. Maybe Joaquin had sent someone to check me out? Weren't jails run like some sort of underground mafia? Like maybe he could have bribed a guard. A sudden coldness hit my core. I couldn't even begin to imagine what Joaquin's day-to-day -day life was like in the jail. He'd gone from being hailed as a hero to being caged like an animal. I closed my eyes and tried to push the image of my brother pounding license plates and eating a sandwich made of stale bread and slimy bologna out of my mind. I focused on Kyle who was cleaning glasses by the bar. Who that man is, I serve. The guy who just bolted? Never seen him. I doubt he's a former team guy. I've met most of them in these parts. Why, he hassle you? I shook my head. I had to keep this under wraps. No, he looked familiar to me. Maybe I see him at club. My stomach churned, and beads of sweat dripped down my forehead. If someone were onto me, I would be discovered. A ticking time bomb rang loudly in my ears. If I were smart, I would drive to Grant's house, confess my sins, and beg for mercy. But I had lost any sense of reason. Without Joaquin, without Grant, Without my baby, without my parents, I had no ties to anyone. I yearned to feel something, to connect, to be reminded my own life had a purpose independent of saving Joaquin, that someone, somewhere, loved me. But for now, the most important task was to protect my identity. At the end of my shift, I had made a little over $200 in tips, nothing like what I made a night stripping, but definitely a decent sum nonetheless. Maybe I should have worked here when I was Mia to pay my way through college. Not that Grant, nor Joaquin for that matter, would have been thrilled with the idea of me serving a bunch of team guys. I said goodbye to Kyle and walked out the door, preparing to drive home and try to shake this unsettling experience. Candy-colored clouds loomed in the sunset. A gust of wind blew into my face, and I became disoriented. In my haze, a heavy feeling arose in my gut. 
something wasn't right. That man. Maybe I should have asked Kyle to drive me home, or I could have called Grant. Hell, maybe I should have called Mitch. No, I could handle this. That man, whoever he was, couldn't possibly know my real identity. I'd cross my T's and dotted my I's. Even Grant didn't suspect who I was. I ignored my paranoia and hurried into my car. As I drove down the freeway, my hand shook on the steering wheel. My fingers pressed on the volume, trying to drown my anxiety in a sea of heavy metal music. The blaring instruments pulsed through my body. I took a deep breath, hoping to calm my nerves. After a few miles, I noticed a blue late model Cadillac a few cars behind me. At first, I hoped it was only heading the same direction as me. So I slowed my car, and it slowed behind me. I changed lanes. It changed lanes also. Dread filled my body. I was being followed. Hell no. I would lose the car. I swerved around another car and then pressed on the gas. My eyes kept glancing at the rearview mirror. The car was still on my tail. Damn it. The freeway twisted up ahead. I refused to exit, not wanting to isolate myself. But the traffic was thin and the moon was dim. I sped along the highway, hugging the curves. Another glance in the mirror, and I knew I was screwed. A loud boom that sounded like a gunshot rang out behind me, followed by the crinkling of metal and the popping of an airbag. Before I knew what was happening, my car barreled down an embankment and a sharp pain blasted through my body. The honking of horns and whizzing of cars added to my confusion as my face was crunched up against the airbag, stifling my screams. There was a gash on my forehead and blood trickled down my face, pooling in my seat, making me wet and sticky. I arched my back, attempting to turn my throbbing neck to see what had happened, when glass flew by my face, followed by an angry man's voice. Get the fuck out of the car. You've been listening to episode 10 of Seven Deadly Seals. Tune in next week for episode 11. You've been listening to Seven Deadly Seals, written by Alana Albertson. Narrated by Jason Clark and Jennifer O'Donnell. Produced at Brickshop Audio Inc. Seven Deadly Seals is also available in print as an ebook on the Radish Fiction app and as a full length audiobook. If you want the whole story without waiting, grab one of these formats from the links at www.authoralanaalbertson.com. That's www. Dot A-U-T-H-O-R-A-L-A-N-A-A-L-B-E-R-T-S-O-N dot com.